from Vistio. This is CXQA Live. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to CXQA Live, our weekly discussion where we have the opportunity to speak with thought leaders and discuss the importance of the most valuable asset in your contact center, the agent. Here on CXQA Live, we believe that agents with the right tools, training, and connection with your company will be a revenue growth and protection center for your brand. They'll be the best diagnostic tool you have for your business. They will also ensure that your customers stay satisfied and connected with your brand. They'll produce more and better work and they're actually going to want to stay and contribute to the well-being of your company. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from ICMI's Contact Center Expo in Orlando, Florida. It was fantastic. And even though we're no longer anywhere near Universal Studios, we've got a lot of exciting things going on this week. And as a matter of fact, I've even got the strategy and optimization czar himself, Dan Smitley with Call Design. Thanks for being here today, Dan. Thank you for having me. Even if I am a little lagging, I look like I'm from the 1990s dial-up. I think we can still have a fantastic conversation, and I'm still happy to chat with you, man. Yeah. No, we're definitely having some video issues. It's probably something with the platform. Definitely not anything on your end, Dan. For those of you who don't know who Dan is, for some reason, because Dan's speaking a lot and presenting at all kinds of conferences and posting all over LinkedIn, Dan is kind of like my go-to on workforce management, which is something that I'm not too comfortable with. So I'm actually really excited to uh, to have him here. And just in case there's anybody out there who's kind of in the same boat as me, man, in the next 30 minutes or so, you're about to get like a quick little masterclass for free on what WFM is because uh, Dan lives and breathes this stuff. And speaking of, Dan, just want to say again in front of our entire audience here, Mm-hmm. Your session at ICMI completely blew me away. Like mm-hmm. kudos to you for helping me understand a lot better what exactly WFM is. So speaking of ICMI, before we dive into this, because I did kind of tease everybody and say we're going to be talking about some potentially controversial things that are going to make you have a little bit of a wake up call. How was your experience at ICMI this year? So this was my, actually my first year going. I've heard about it for years, right? But I finally was able to make it down there smaller than I expected, but we can also call that more intimate, right? So I honestly was coming and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to be like one in a couple thousand bodies, but it was actually really nice. It felt comfortable. It felt like it was nice to see people that you just met at this session and you see them through the halls and you're able to kind of build some of those relationships. So overall, I really enjoyed it. Great value for me just to be able to help build relationships, to be able to connect with you and Rob and just a but and the other Rob and just, you know, so many <laughs> great thought leaders in the space. It was wonderful to just to kind of further those relationships in person, not just on LinkedIn. Yeah. I like what you say intimate because it's not, and I talked about this earlier, it's not too massive to the point where you said, it's just like, I'm one in a thousand people right. here. They do keep it small enough to where it doesn't feel like it's like some, you know, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Just like a kind of ragtag operation. It's legitimate. Yeah. But I love it because there's a lot of value that you get from the sessions. And uh, really Mm -hmm. quickly, just want to shout out a small name in the CX space that nobody's ever heard of, uh, Nate Brown. 
Mm-hmm. He had a fantastic session with Justin Robbins, and uh, maybe maybe we can get him back on the show to unpack that as well. But you know, what do you think of Nate Brown? Do you think he's like the best thing since CX sliced bread? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta love Nate Brown, right? He he's not for everyone. He's a lot, but he comes off it's it comes off as genuine, right? I, I think some people yeah. that come off as a lot, they're like, oh my god, you just need attention, please go away. And Nate just feels like this is just who he is. Like I just feel yes. like genuinely, I've never you know been in the same hotel with him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's sleeping in like a multicolored like neon <laughs> green pajama suit, like not set suit. Like that makes sense. Like it would be like it would, sounds authentic so like i love nate brown he's a good guy great thought leader in this space so mm. even if you don't love his suits and his fashion you got to pay attention because he, he's dropping a lot of truths on a lot of people oh yeah he's always got that rock solid content i'm always here for it and the suits the crazy suits yeah, and right? now i'm trying to picture what like a pajama suit would look like pajama but... neon green pajama suit <laughs> like maybe even a tie <laughs> yeah <laughs> So we know that the sessions were great. How did you feel about the expo hall itself? What were kind of the things you were feeling there? Expo. So I'm possibly one of the worst people to interact with an expo hall. And, 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 you know, I chat, you and I chatted a little bit. I'm rough. Uh, So Brene Brown has this saying clear is kind. And I try to live into that. And maybe I go a little too blunt sometimes, but I'm like, okay, cool. Like, who are you? And why are you the best? Like, I've never heard of your organization before. Like, DeepGram was one of those organizations. They mm. were a vendor in the expo hall. I've never heard about them. And I just, who are you? Why are you better than everyone else? And they had a really nice, succinct, we don't do this. We don't do this. We do this really well. And this is why we think we're better. Awesome. Love it. I love the fact that you weren't trying to sell me. You're just trying to like get to right to that point. So for me, the expo hall was a mixed bag. Some people got my email because I'm curious about their product going forward. And some people got my email because I just needed a stamp on my bingo card to be able to be entered into the drawing. (laughs) So it was, it was mixed bag, but there were some really good winners in there. And some people had amazing stickers. I don't want to name names, but Vistio had some pretty fantastic stickers. I gotta say. There you go. You just name dropped. I appreciate that. I also appreciated when you name dropped in the session, not for the purpose of like what our solution is. It was Vistio has the best stickers. Go check out their booth because they have the best stickers. Listen, I'm a vendor. I'm used to being on the other side. And there's a lot of thought put into the booth, like decor, the booth, like, like merch. And how do you want to present? You guys clearly like thought deeply about that. And so, yeah, I'm going to throw people your way at least to get a good sticker and to, to have a nice casual conversation on a couch. It was wonderful. I loved your space. But I mean, that's like the most important part, right? Of these events is the people. Yeah. Uh, 110,000%. One of my favorite parts of going to ICMI is yeah. just to network with people yeah. and get to meet some of my LinkedIn network in person. That's always such a magical moment. I think Doug's here. Yep. Doug's in the chat mm-hmm. right now. Talking about our stickers and then next year's <laughs> ribbons, which we will be doing because that was a genius idea. So smart. So smart. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, but yeah, just being able to network with not only potential prospects and people that would be interested in your product, but people that just right. want to talk about things that right. are happening in the call center. And that's always fun too, because then you get to meet the people who are just kind of singing the same song over and over again. But then you get to meet the people that really get what's going on and aren't afraid 
to uh, challenge what we would call the stigma or the norm. Exactly. And one of those people is actually right here beside me, stage stage right here. Uh, Dan, you gave an absolutely amazing Thanks. session on ICM. And I know I, I keep shouting it out, but no, appreciate just that. it was really entertaining, even as somebody who's not huge into the uh, the WFM space. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's there. What exactly is WFM for those of you who may be wondering? Uh, can yeah. you just kind of give us a rundown? Yeah, real quick. Workforce management. WFM is workforce management. And really, there are three inside the contact center, especially there's three primary buckets. There's going to be forecasting, scheduling and like real time monitoring or managing of resources. It can get a little confusing because outside of the contact center space, workforce management kind of dives into more HR stuff and more HR principles. But inside the contact center space, it's absolutely forecasting, scheduling, and real-time monitoring. In essence, what we're asking is how many calls do we or interactions, how many calls are we going to be getting? Who's going to be taking them? And then how do we manage it real-time when we're wrong about how many calls and how many people are coming in? How, how do we adjust to that? That's workforce mm -hmm. management. So would you say that you deal with a lot of like the metrics, like you're responsible mm -hmm. for like, yeah. you're a numbers guy, I'm yeah. assuming yeah. being in WFM. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys no, are all about the numbers. Oh, 100%. One of the best visuals, <laughs> I heard about it a long time ago, and I just hearken back to it at, in a lot of my sessions is that like workforce management is the team where you like, you slide them pizza underneath the door and then they slide out a spreadsheet of what you're expected to like forecast in the schedules. Like it's the, the nerdy people in the corner. I don't know if every organization has this, but I've seen too many organizations where like WFM, I've been in this room, is like this like converted closet that has glass windows. It's almost, it, it feels a bit like an animal holding pen. And that's workforce. Like we love our numbers, but if we don't have to interact with people, it's probably best. So metrics around service levels, abandoned rates, average handle time, shrinkage, like numbers are absolutely how we understand our environment. We love spreadsheets. Absolutely. It sounds like the perfect environment for somebody who's very introverted that still wants to contribute to the contact center in some way. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, for <laughs> sure. The, there is this kind of cliche, analytical, nerdy, introverted guy in the corner. That's that's workforce management. Actually, legitimately, that's how I got into workforce management. I don't think we've talked about this, but there was a moment I was a supervisor, frontline supervisor. My wife just was just became pregnant. We were realizing we couldn't afford the rent where we were, and we're gonna have to move up north where her parents were. And I said, "Hey, you guys, you have a headquarters up north. Like, is there anything I can do up there?" And they literally said, "You like spreadsheets? Maybe you'd like WFM." <laughs> like that's how I got into it because of uh, because of spreadsheets. <laughs> 20 years later, I'm still in workforce management. So yeah, like that, that nerdy analytical introverted, it's us. So that's definitely something that stuck with you. But something interesting you mentioned, we talk about how this is kind of like this almost like glass animal yeah. exhibit, yeah. almost like a zoo where we just kind of, we just yep. stay back, monitor WFM, make sure they're doing okay. Something you talked about in your session, though, that was really interesting. You talk about all this like introvertedness and like mm -hmm. not dealing with people, but like WFM needs to focus more on its people yeah. and just to be able to crank up the unproductive, right? Mm -hmm. That was something that mm -hmm. you said in your session. It was like, okay, well, we need to create this culture and be more people focused. Yeah. yeah. So I loved that. 
Yeah, let, let me let me pull out my soapbox real quick. Um, yeah, this, this, this is this is my thing, right? So I live and breathe workforce management. You know, you're asking me what it is, and, and that is where we we sit. We sit in how do we optimize staff? How do we make the most of it? How do we crunch numbers and just make sure that we're not wasting anything anywhere? And and my message to workforce management is, I get it. I, I see the value of optimized staff. I see the value of making sure everyone's where they need to be. But I, I'm arguing for, but what if we provided them more care, more empathy, more autonomy? What if we invested more into them? And that's what I mean by like increasing the unproductive. What if instead of looking for ways of decreasing that unproductive, just getting more and more and more out of our agents? What if we instead said, how can we give back? How can we reinvest? What would it look like to be able to empower our agents around scheduling, workforce management? We want to tell you what to do every minute of every day because we feel like we know what's best. Like that's our thing. But what I'm trying to say is when we do that WFM, we, we take away some autonomy and some control. Like we, we almost dehumanize our agents too far. And what I'm trying to encourage our industry and our discipline to do is to say, you take your bathroom breaks whenever you need. And now if you are away in the bathroom for four hours, that's a different conversation. Like I'm concerned, there's issues going on. Maybe you need to leave. Like let's not go down that path of like maximizing staff is the greatest good. I'd really love to have a conversation around how can we invest in our people as the greatest good, knowing that they'll probably move their schedules for us when we need them because they see we care about them. Maybe they're going to be able to provide even a better customer experience because instead of saying, no, you can't have PTO, we're compromising with them and saying, well, how about instead of eight hours off, you said you just had this doctor's appointment. What if we just did four hours and you make up your time? He Those conversations, I think, just that add a lot more value into the contact center and workforce management, I think, can be a driver of those engagement conversations without having to really change a whole lot, still forecasting, scheduling, real-time monitoring. But it, it, it's an adjustment of how we're doing that. And it's looking at empowering people instead of just optimizing them. I'm sorry, I, I can't help but smile because we've been doing this show for a while now. I think this is like our 61st episode right now. Huh? Yeah, And, you know, we we we're all singing the same song here, right? We need to give more power to the agents. We need to focus on the agents. Right. We need to focus on the people because without the people, we don't have a business. We really don't. Right. Yep. So it's still just mind boggling to me, the fact that we're not already doing this. And mm -hmm. we've talked about this before, but I'm curious on your take when it comes to WFM, mm -hmm. are you guys really being like considered or heard when it comes to mm. the decision process or are you just yeah. to the side? Yep. That's just it, right? So we, we kind of started the conversation with this like cliche, introverted, analytical, and, and unfortunately, WFM kind of puts themselves in that box to where we do just push out numbers and we say, my job's done. I, I told you how many people we needed or I scheduled them. They're your problem. They're your people. And like that kind of disconnection. When WFM does that, I think we vacate the conversation. We, we vacate that table, right? Mm -hmm. So we almost have a problem with disengaging from the conversation. Your, the, your question was kind of, you know, are we heard? Are we part of that conversation? And I think unfortunately too often, we're actually removing ourselves from that conversation because all we say is, oh, not my problem. And what I'd love to have WFM think through is, 
if we are going to look at employee engagement, if we're going to figure out how we can invest in the employees, we need to stay a part of that conversation. We need to stay a part of the strategic conversation about where's the company going and, and how can we help push that forward through forecasting and scheduling, right? Like one of the things I shared at ICMI is for me, so many CEOs say our people are our strategic advantage, right? <laughs> they are what make or break us. And I think that they believe it. And I, and I do too. That means we need to retain our people. How, what, what do people want? Why are people sticking around? People are sticking around because of work-life balance. What is work-life balance? It is the ability to be able to kind of come and go, choose my schedules, have some sense of control and autonomy over schedules. That's workforce management. So like when we're talking about being a part of the conversation, helping push forward strategic initiatives, WFM can be and should be part of that conversation because we have one of the biggest impacts on employee retention through our scheduling practices. And when we just kind of check out and say like, well, I created the schedules. I told you you needed 10 people at Monday at 8 a.m. That's your problem, figure it out. Like we do <laughs> ourselves as a service. We need to stay engaged in that conversation because we can help make an impact in our environments. Well, I think the nature of your job, right? With WFM, you guys are the ones that say no, right? You're the ones yeah. that kind of keep people from uh, <laughs> getting yeah. themselves into trouble. But yeah, I just really quickly want to highlight here. Sherry is uh, over here in the chat. For those of you who don't know, Sherry is big in the learning development, really kind of dealing with some frontline agents. WFM has access to the data to empower the agents. Would love to see a partnership with WFM and frontline leadership and contact centers. And that's what was going through my head while I was sitting there in your session. I'm like, there's so much overlap here between what's going on on the line and then what's going on behind the scenes it's like, why is there just not this natural connection here? Why can't this be something that just happens more often? Yeah. yeah. Do you have the answer? <laughs> I have multiple opinions. I don't know if I have okay. an answer. Like part of that challenge between frontline supervisors and WFM is either team can become territorial. That it can come across as WFM is coming and saying, your agents, they wouldn't say this, right? But basically sometimes we're coming across in a sense of saying, your agents suck. They're an ox all the time. They don't want to take a call. Look, I've got all the data about why your agents are the worst. And then frontline supervisors have to take that position of like defense, right? This is my team you're coming after. They don't suck. You don't know, like you don't know them as people. And so there's this defensiveness and aggressiveness that can come across. What I think needs to happen and is this understanding of, of both teams and, and individuals complexly, right? Where WFM isn't just coming to the supervisor saying your agent suck, look at their ox, but maybe even digging in and being like, hey, what's, what's up with Jacob? Like, I see that he's an ox a lot recently. It, it, it's well above average. Do you know what's going on, Rob? Like, and actually having a conversation versus coming in with accusations. Like WFM does mm. have the data to share. He's 100% correct. It's what we use that data to do. Do we want to use it to weaponize and attack or do we want to use it to support and, and investigate? And, and I would argue that the best way to be able to use that data is to use it to support, right? Come alongside those frontline supervisors and say, how can I help? Because I'm noticing some things that are kind of weird and you probably know what's going on better than I do. If we can approach it with humility and not aggressiveness, I think it will have a much bigger impact for both the WFM team and the frontline supervisors. There's nothing I hate more than a silo. And mm. I feel like when it comes to the contact center, a lot of things are siloed, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to kind of find some sort of, and maybe that's just creating like 
a very open culture for the brand itself and just kind of allowing that level of transparency. And like you said, yeah. getting people to see what everybody does. I feel like that's very important. When I used to work for another company, I was heavy on the operations side, not so much on the mm -hmm. sales, but there were opportunities too for like the salespeople to come in and learn what operations does. And then for operations to see what sales does and the yeah. amount of respect that you get mutually on both sides, mm -hmm. it, it opens up that line of communication. So now it just doesn't feel like, okay, well, this order has to go through sales and then it goes into ops and then it gets out to the customer. It's we're actually going to work together to do what's best for mm -hmm. not only the customer, but also every employee that's involved in that experience as well. Yep. I think it's communication. I think it's transparency. I think it's collaboration. I, for me, I think of what I've seen in multiple organizations is also creating a space for failure to be okay, right? You don't want people in your environment if all they're going to do is come in and show you how you're messing up. But if they're going to come in and say, hey, I think there's a better way, that's a completely different conversation. So do you have the space for failure I think it actually encourages communication, collaboration, transparency way more than just going after those by themselves. When we try to just have transparency for transparency's sake and it's not a safe space, people get like driven over with buses time and time again. And so it's, it's you have to first create, for me, I think you have to first create that safety to be able to then go and start breaking down those silos. Without it, mm -hmm. it just becomes like an all out war. Silos, at least, allows us to not attack each other. But when we don't have that safety, we're looking to destroy each other. And that's just really toxic environments. It's almost like each department, and I think the, this is the way it's supposed to work and this is the way it's not working now, but every department has its own, it's its own world, right? Mm -hmm. And we train mm -hmm. in that world and we learn from that world. And then what we're supposed to do is to share our world with the rest of the other departments. But what's mm -hmm. happening is we become so self-obsessed and so mm -hmm. absorbed in what our responsibilities are. We kind of forget about that bigger picture. And as a result, everybody takes a hit. And in WFM, you know this because you guys have the unique perspective of understanding the customer experience, yep. the agent experience, yep. and the business experience as a yep. whole. Yep. So, I mean, just to be able to get out of those silos, right, and to actually have WFM talk to the front line, I think there's a lot of value there. And we know that there needs to be this huge paradigm shift, right, mm -hmm. where this all needs to happen. What are some things that we can do to actually make this happen? And Dan, I did leave us some extra time for this question because I know it's probably going to take us a while. So have no, at okay. it. So like, how, how do we go after that paradigm shift? How do we start breaking down silos? Basically, that's the topic. I would say one of the first ways is, again, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I, for me, it's kind of a fundamental lens that I view work and life is, a, is seeing people complexly. I'll pick on WFM just because I am one and I'm, and I'm allowed to pick on them. We have this training that's called the power of one, and, and it helps agents understand what happens when one person isn't in their schedule when they're supposed to be. Super helpful in kind of explaining the importance of schedule adherence, of, of just understanding the impact to your peers, to the customers, to the business. It's fantastic. I haven't heard of a training yet that does the reverse Workforce management, unfortunately, is really focused on explaining our value to the agents. But I also think that the agents need to be training WFM on their value. 
right? And that's where I think that we can start breaking down these silos is to be able to see people as more than just the numbers or as more just the, the people that tell me when to get out of OX. The, the, the RTA team, unfortunately, gets all too commonly referred to as the RAT team. So RTA is real-time adherence team. And they the agents love to flip those letters and call them the RAT out team or the RAT team. And it doesn't <laughs> have to be that way, right? It can be so much more collaborative if WFM is going to the agents to say, help me understand your job. What's going on? What are the challenges? What are the pain points? What are your frustrations? Maybe it's frontline supervisors first, then the agents. There needs to be more curiosity before we start coming across with this. We know how you need to adjust your lives. We know how you need to adjust your working patterns. So that paradigm shift for me starts with curiosity uh, of being willing to be humble and seeing people as more than just an agent role or just an RTA role to realize that there's levels that we're not seeing there. How do we do that? How do we make people actually care, right? How do we get them to that point to where the agent sees the value that they have? What needs to happen for that to happen? We got to slow down. (laughs) <laughs> which is hard for WFM. I mean, like that's the first step, right? WFM, we love our efficiencies. Like ask, yeah. ask all of my coworkers, right? It's funny, as a WFM practitioner, I've come into a WFM kind of reseller and realizing these are not WFM people. These are people that service WFM, sell WFM. They aren't because they aren't obsessed with efficiency like I am. Like I <laughs> want to streamline everything around him. They're, I don't, they're not quite ready for me. But... That's the first step. How how do we get to the point where we can start caring is we have got to slow down and start seeing that the dollar isn't king, right? That we we can waste a couple dollars on people doing a little bit less. We can waste money on people being able to connect with others. The customer, and, and on a podcast that's centered around customer experience, it might be a little controversial, but like the customer isn't king. Like, they can wait. It's okay. Because the value that we have when we can slow down and start to actually get to know each other as coworkers, I think will actually create a better business outcome. We'll create a better customer experience because we are starting to like care a little bit more. So where, how do we start? We start by slowing down and then we start by having conversations, right? We, we started this whole conversation, this whole podcast around the value of ICMI and being able to actually get to know people better, not just their LinkedIn personas, not just their link, but like who they are in real life. And while maybe you're in a remote environment, you can't do it in person. There is value of just setting up coffee chats, of setting up opportunities for people to learn and have questions and say, do you have any kids? One of my biggest mistakes is I went into a remote organization, one of my first ones, and I worked with this VP super closely. Like she was a a primary stakeholder for me. For the first nine months, I had no clue about her family life. Didn't know if she was married, didn't know if she has kids. And that was a big learning lesson for me. It made me realize I have got to stop, to slow down and to ask those questions so I can better understand who she is what she's going through and I can better support her as an employee and and maybe as an actual person. Like how can I help her in her life? One quick follow-up question to that. And this is something that I actually wanted to ask you during your session, but I Mm. think now's the perfect time for it now that we're closing out. I'm with you, right? I Mm -hmm. love to get to know people. That's not shocking to anybody, but 
there are some people that are kind of very private about mm. their personal life. Yes. So what do you do when you run into that? Like, it's like, hey, I respect your privacy. It's like, but I just kind of like, do you then reveal and say, I'm just trying to find some common ground with you. So like, this is more than just you come to work, you clock in, you clock out and that kind of situation. What do you do with that? Yeah, I think you can still go at it. Maybe the personal questions around like, how many kids do you have? Are you married? You know, when did you go to college? Maybe that's too personal for some people. That's, yeah. that's completely fine. But I think questions around, I'm super blunt. So I love the question, why do you work here? What is it that you like here? Why is it that you keep coming back? Is it the same that it used to be whenever you started or has it changed? How has it changed for better or good? There are questions that you can get to to better understand that person, right? And I think that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Maybe they don't want to share their personal lives. That's great. But what we do need to understand is understanding them a little bit more than just their numbers, right? So I think centered around how do you feel motivated? What drives you? Why are you working here? And listen, if this is a super private person that says, I just come here because I need a paycheck and that's all, okay, I'm not gonna get a lot out of you. I get it and that's okay. I'm just gonna move on and I'm gonna try to keep that door open to you. But I think that's for me, if it's a private person, I can still better understand what they need out of this workplace so that I can kind of, again, see them a little bit more complexly. I love that. Yeah, I just, I wanna highlight again, Sherry's just in here dropping wisdom as well, yeah. along with you, Dan. I love this because I've heard this before and I think it might've been mm -hmm. Sherry's episode was human beings first and human doings second. I just <laughs> I just want us all to take a second, reflect on that. I love that. I love that. We aren't designed to be human doings. We're, we're beings, we be, we do things. Yeah. And I, I just said do, which, you get the point. You get I, the message. I get the point. I love the idea of it just <laughs> being present and just seeing the people as they are, not because of the work that they do, but because of who they simply are. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. I do too. Well, Dan, I can't believe it, but we're already at time for the episode. We're about to end it over, though we did get a little bit of a late start with some of our technical difficulties. But for those of you who are hanging out and for those of you who are going to be at our post-discussion session, we will see you there. I know we've got Dan until at least the top of the hour. But, you know, thank you guys so much for being here, Dan. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Definitely going to have to bring you on every time we have something to talk about WFM. I, I love hearing from you, man. <laughs> I love it. I'm looking forward to it, man. Thanks for this. Yeah, of course. Uh, other than that, we hope you guys have a fantastic week. And don't forget to go make a difference in the world today. And we will see you in the discussion chat. Bye, guys. To listen to a recording of this and other episodes, visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX live.